Hi everyone, welcome back to Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. I'm Joanne. And I'm Kim. As you guys know, Kim and I are both full of melanin, right? (laughs) We grew up hearing people make the statement that black don't crack. But what does that really mean? Now that we are home all the time, how worried should we really be about vitamin D deficiency? Today we have with us Dr. Hope Mitchell, who is the CEO of Mitchell Dermatology in Ohio and is a board certified dermatologist practicing for 25 years. She is genuinely passionate about medical dermatology and cares about providing treatments for people who have skin disease and have common concerns about their hair and nails. She provides expert dermatologic knowledge every day to her patients. Dr. Mitchell, welcome to Nutrition Lifestyles. It's so great to have you with us. Oh, it's just a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So Dr. Mitchell, we are going to jump right into the questions here. And being that we, the three of us, are dark-skinned, melanated folks, this is a question that I feel like a lot of people may have. Um, especially during this time where we are dealing with COVID-19 and most people are inside the house, how much sunlight does a dark-skinned person actually need for adequate vitamin D conversion? Well, you know, actually, because ultraviolet light from the sun and even from tanning beds can cause cancer, the American Academy of Dermatology does not recommend getting vitamin D from sun exposure or or even indoor tanning. Mm -hmm. Um, So we as dermatologists, we recommend that we get our vitamin D from a healthy diet. And by that, we mean trying to have a diet that is rich in um, vitamin D or foods that are fortified with vitamin D, like, you know, there could be orange juice, for example, or even from supplements. And so we know, you know, years and and years ago, we didn't know what we know today about how damaging the sun can be. And that would be on any skin type. So all people of color are at risk for for skin cancer. And so we know that the risk of getting skin cancer outweighs the benefit that we could achieve from relying on the sun to convert vitamin D. So we no longer recommend that. And we even know that there are certain regions of the country where people live in sunlight all year round and studies have shown that they're still vitamin D deficient. Between those studies and knowing what we know about the sun, the recommendation definitely, like I said, is to seek first um, vitamin D from foods and then supplements. We actually recommend um, 600 Mm. international units of vitamin D every day for children, teenagers, and even adults. Now, in my practice, I have lots of patients that are very vitamin D deficient, and I can even go with doses that would be anywhere from 1,000 to 3,000 international units a day. And so, um, you know, we're definitely seeing a lot of deficiency across the board. That is very interesting because I remember, I think I was looking at your Instagram page And you had posted something. I remember sharing with you earlier that I'm from Jamaica and a lot of you posted that Bob Marley actually got melanoma. And I was like, wow, 
Um, so, you know, a lot of people don't know that Bob Marley is actually biracial. So, you know, I do li- love the fact that you said that vitamin D, the recommendation is to get it from your foods and also supplements. And not from your the sunlight. That's very exactly. new information. Definitely. Uh, the American Academy of Dermatology um, definitely has made that statement. And we, as dermatologists, of course, follow the guidelines, which are based on studies. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask, because I know me personally, and this may be like a misnomer for a lot of people of color, but can you explain to us what sunblock or sunscreen actually does for the skin? And as a darker skin person, like, do we actually need to use it? Yeah, we actually do. You know, I think over the years, we, many years ago, we'll start there, we thought that because we have melanin in our skin that we don't need to worry about sun exposure. And actually studies will show that melanated skin maybe Mm. has an SPF of four to eight. And, you know, over the years, the recommendation based on studies has gone from using an SPF of 15 up to now, we currently recommend an SPF of 30 to adequately protect against ultraviolet B light. And so when we think Uh about sun protection today, and that's the way I like to look at it as sun protection, because sunblock and sunscreen are components of sun protection. Okay. Sun avoidance would be a component of sun protection. And so we never want to just leave sunblock and sunscreen on the table as being a thought that that's all we need to do to protect our skin. And I know the question is directed at sunblock and sunscreen, but I like to use the word sun protection. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about protecting our skin, sunscreen and sunblock should be used by all people, all people of color, because everyone is able to get skin cancer. And we know that using sunblock or sunscreen protects our skin against that risk. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at the sunscreen, there are certain things that we're looking for. So we're looking for that broad spectrum so that we know that we're getting ultraviolet A protection. We're looking for the SPF number so that we know that we're getting ultraviolet B protection. And so on the, the, the light spectrum, we're looking to protect our skin against visible and non-visible light, which would be your ultraviolet light that typically is going to be coming from the, from the outdoors per se, um, not just from the sun. And so we also know based on studies and being the innovative mm-hmm. country that we live in, we also know that we need to start protecting our skin against visible light. So that would be like your blue light, your infrared light, the light that emits heat. Um, Visible light is emitted from computer screens. It's emitted from high-definition televisions, um, cell phones, so technology. The ultraviolet light that we have in, um, you know, our homes, you know, it's coming in from, we're, we're getting it from lots of different sources. And so now we're also recommending, in addition to blocking from the ultraviolet B and A rays, that we also buy sunscreens that will protect against visible light. Mm. And we know that blue light can damage the skin as well. There have been studies, especially in skin of color, where not only that we've seen damage to the skin, 
but also an increase in hyperpigmentation. Situations in where a patient may be dealing with pigmentation problems like melasma, this could make it worse if you don't use the sunscreen that's going to also, in addition to the traditional protection, mm -hmm. but also provide visible light protection. You know, in terms of sunblock or sunscreen, everyone should be wearing it. There are two different types you that you would consider. One type would be um, a physical sunscreen. Mm -hmm. And then the other type would be a chemical sunscreen. And a chemical sunscreen would be just that. It would be composed of chemicals that actually absorb the rays so that they don't damage the skin. Whereas a physical sunscreen would be a type that contains traditionally titanium oxide or zinc oxide. And when you apply that to the surface of the skin, it reflects the rays so that it doesn't damage the skin. So there's more of a reflection. And in today's society, there are a lot of people who don't want to use chemicals mm -hmm. for, for whatever reason. You know, they don't want to use that. And so the physical sunscreen or sunblock would be a better mm -hmm. option. They don't want to put it on their children, for example. Um, we've had issues in the past with physical sunscreens. Those are the ones that are thought of as making skin of color look ghostly or have a cast. And now the products are being made better. And so people of color are really gravitating towards these products, the physical sunscreens, because they're absorbing into our skin better. And so we seem to be more comfortable with those. And, and let's face it, you know, if we're not comfortable know that's with the right. product we're not going to use it. Mm -hmm. And so now that we have the option of being able to, um, to choose those physical sunscreens, they really have gone up in popularity. Wow. Dr. Mitchell, you, you really have like blown my mind here because I feel like over the years we've heard it said in our communities, how, you know, the darker the melanin is, the darker your skin is, the more protected you are from the sun. You know, our our ancestors were out in the fields or they were um, even back to um, our ancestors in Africa, how the sun, they were protected by the sun because of their skin. And you telling us now today that having darker skin does not mean that you're protected is like, I'm, I'm like rethinking revamping everything in my head that I've known. So for the people who are out there listening, how prevalent is cancer for, you know, dark skinned folks? Like how, how prevalent is that? Well, we know that um, it's not very common in, in dark skinned or African-American um, people or people of color per se. But unfortunately, what we do know is that when it is diagnosed in people of color, um, it tends to have a higher mortality rate. Mm -hmm. And so the five-year mortality rate on presentation of, let's just say, a white person versus a Black person, um, the white person may be 91%, you know, survival, five-year survival, but we tend to come with a 65% oh five-year survival. So by the time we get to the doctor's office, that would say mm -hmm. that there has been some advancement of that cancer. So that would tell me that um, it may have gotten into the lymph nodes. It may have spread to another organ. Um, I know that you mentioned, you know, Barb Marley earlier. And 
I think a lot of us think a couple of things with that case. You know, he played soccer mm-hmm. and he believed that it was a soccer injury. And I think what can happen is that, especially back then, um, you know, the healthcare providers, the doctors are not really sensitized to or, or believe that Black people get skin cancer. And so, you know, he he developed what was a lesion under his nail. And they may have thought that it was hemorrhage or blood clot, you know, or blood, excuse me, um, that right. leaked into that area, maybe when he kicked the ball. And, you know, blood that has clotted in that area can look similar. You know, melanomas look like they're black, they're dark, they're red, different colors. And I think that, you know, fast forward, I still think that there are some doctors or professionals who don't really think about people of color getting skin cancer. Mm -hmm. And so the patient may be falsely reassured when they present with a lesion because it's not thought of. Um, People themselves, like you and I, you know, people of color, they may not think themselves that they're at risk for skin cancer because they are melanated. So whatever the reason is, we know that people of color are presenting um, with advancement of the cancer. And so their lifespan is, is, is a lot shorter um, than their Caucasian counterparts. We do know that. Okay, so to clarify, that mortality risk you're speaking of, that's more due to the fact that they are presenting to their physicians at a later time than their white counterparts, or is it more to due to the racial component? No, it's more due to on presentation. A lot of it is presentation. So um, it could have been that um, it got missed, you know, in terms of I didn't know it, it had existed. Mm-hmm. Maybe I did see my primary care physician showed it to them. They said it was nothing to worry about. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're both thinking it's not common in skin of color anyway. I've been reassured. I'm good to go. Now, mm-hmm. another thing to think about with skin of cancer, with um, skin of color and skin cancers that we typically get, squamous cell skin hmm. cancer is the most common cancer in people of color. Those cancers tend to be in hidden areas that we may not think about. Hmm. So it may be on the soles of our feet. Let's think about that. Hmm. How many of us right. lift up our own feet and actually do an examination? So if it's not brought to our attention, we don't think about it. And by the time we do notice it, it may have grown and advanced. Um, And to get discoloration or pigmentation around our gums, um, under the nails, in the groin area, um, around the private parts. And so those may not be areas that are heavily looked at by the primary care physician um, or the doctor that the patient has presented to. And so by the time it's really identified, it's an afterthought. Like, oh my gosh, you know, Mm. that is skin cancer. How long has that been there? Um, I never noticed it, but when I did notice it, it, it's, it's large. And so I think that also contributes, you know, to the fact that there are, you know, the providers that don't really think about skin of color patients getting cancer, skin of color people, not really thinking that I am at risk, the cancer itself being in hidden areas that we don't think about or having those areas examined, you know, routinely. So I think all of that comes into play as to why 
we tend to have a higher mortality rate on presentation. That is amazing, Dr. Mitchell. So, you know, one takeaway point for the audience is, you know, I'm really renewed Mm -hmm. to just go ahead and examine my body again. Because, you know, from what I'm getting, what you're saying is we are our own patient advocates. We know every crevice, if we look properly on our bodies, and I'm just thinking about, you know, something that you said, like, you know, how many of us really look at the bottom of our feet? You know, I'm here thinking to myself, you know, I've seen spots on the bottom of my feet, and I'm just thinking, you know, that's just probably discoloration. But -hmm. at the same time, definitely, you know, bringing this to the attention of my provider. I remember my mother when I was um, younger she had a mole, a protruding mole on her nose and the doctor removed it. And my mom was like, no, you don't need to remove that. I was born with this, et cetera, et cetera. And he was like, well, I want to remove it just in case. Mm -hmm. So, you know, definitely looking back and realizing, you know, just understanding his possible train of thought. Well, wow, you know, this could possibly be a skin abnormality. That is just, you know, mind blowing to me. So I know, I'm sorry, go ahead. And you bring up a very, very good point, um, which is we recommend that everyone seek out a board certified dermatologist Mm -hmm. and have yearly skin exams, regardless of your Mm -hmm. skin type, ethnicity, gender, et cetera. And board certified dermatologists are the authority in skin examinations. Mm -hmm. We've been trained to do them. We know what to look for. We have the most heightened sensitivity to skin cancer. And so it's something that I also think that people of color don't find to be necessary for them. And we want to change that mindset. We want everyone to get those skin exams done. We also recommend that everyone do a self-examination, as you said, once a month. And that way, if there are any changes, then you'll be you'll you'll be able to identify them a lot quicker and report to the dermatologist or report back to the dermatologist. Because let's remember, just because you had an examination, everything looked normal six months ago. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that a mole still could not change. Right. And so when you see the dermatologist, we educate you as to what to look for. That's why this, the visit is so important. Why wouldn't you want to have the visit? Even if you were reassured that everything looked good, you're also going to get ed- education in the appointment. We're going to talk to you about what to look for. What When you look at the mole, what are you looking for? Well, we call it an acronym, ABCD. You look at the spots in terms of asymmetry, meaning you fold the mole in half and it doesn't match all the way around. You look at the spot or the mole in terms of its border, you know, is the border smooth and round or is it indented or notched on one edge? The color, does it have multiple colors in it or is it just one even color? Mm -hmm. And then diameter, if that mole perhaps is larger than a pencil eraser head size, then that might be a characteristic that concerns us. So we've provided you with education. We've helped you to understand you know, what to look for. And then again, we also in that appointment, we educate you about sun protection. Hmm. So this is a really, really good visit when done by the board certified dermatologist. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm just here thinking to myself, I need to find my board certified dermatologist ASAP because I have never been to a dermatologist before. Family members have, but Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I'm just realizing, you know, as, as important as it is to get a yearly physical, which I do get, I'm realizing I need to get a skin, skin assessment as well from a dermatologist. Right, but we never think about that. We never right. add that to our list of, I've been to the dermatology due to childhood acne and we're a moly family, my bloodline. And every time I've had a baby, the one of the moles I've had have changed. Like they started getting red or something of the other. So I hurriedly went to a dermatologist and they've taken two of them off thus far. Thank God they were not, um, they were benign. There was nothing going on with them, but you know, People have to like start to think of outside of the the scopes of just going to your primary care physician. There are other experts out there who specialize in different areas that, you know, we can, you know, use And dermatology is one of them. And I think people don't think of dermatology when they think of someone that they need to see on a regular basis. Especially black people, because I think I don't know about the area that Um, you live, Dr. Mitchell, or that you live, Joanne, but I know I live in a very retired community. And the only I went to a dermatologist's office just to drop off some stuff. And the only people that you see in the office are older Caucasian people. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, a lot of people have a misunderstanding what dermatologists actually do. Because I know when I went in as a black person, as a younger black person, everyone was looking at me like, "Why, why, why are you here? So, you know, the fact that Dr. Mitchell is on Instagram and is educating people on these things, because I think Instagram is more of a platform for the millennial population, you know, just dropping knowledge on your skin and your skin health, being aggressive towards it, especially people of color. I think, you know, it's probably going to change the trajectory of how we look at health as a whole. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Our our health in, in terms of people of color we have advanced in information and we love to provide that information on as many platforms as we can from anything dealing with hair, skin, and nails. I know that that is something I'm passionate about and many of my colleagues, especially my dermatology colleagues that are um, colleagues with skin of color. And so Latina, Hispanic, you know, Puerto Rican, African-American, We believe that the information that we have today definitely edifies. It definitely um, will change the trajectory because, I mean, we're dealing with situations, like I said, skin cancer, sunscreen, um, even facial rejuvenation, you know, chemical peels, you know, are all of those things safe for me? Do I need to do them? And the answer is absolutely, you know, so this form of a platform. I'm just grateful to be here so that we can almost bust up the myths that are out there, Mm -hmm. you know, educate. But you know, the funny thing is Dr. Mitchell, I I may be wrong here, but I feel like people of color are a minority in your field in dermatology specifically, right? Oh yeah. You know, we represent about 3% of the dermatologist, you know, Whereas, you know, we're trying to get in maybe 13% of a population. And so Mm. I think, you know, um, there are people that live in areas where it's difficult for them to find a dermatologist of color. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some patients that, um, you know, don't want to see anyone else but a dermatologist with skin of color. 
And, you know, I will say that there are lots of dermatologists that don't have skin of color who are trained and are comfortable with treating skin of color. Right. That's what we want. We want, we want to be advocated for. And so we want people to feel comfortable in that appointment. I have a friend of mine that said, you know, our body, we should be the CEO of our own bodies. Mm -hmm. And that means that we shouldn't use a cop-out as, well, I can't find a black dermatologist. That's a cop-out. We should be looking for doctors who will help us. Mm -hmm. And there are dermatologists that are not skin of color dermatologists, like I said, that are comfortable treating people of color. And I think it's a two-way street. I think the, the dermatologist should be honest, you know, and the patient should be open-minded. Right. We can also do virtual visits right now, you know, due to COVID. Mm-hmm. And so you can actually see a dermatologist, I know not for a full body skin check um, of color through a virtual visit. And so sometimes that's a good way to connect. I mean, I know that that's very recent. We don't know how long that's going to be because prior to that, you couldn't see each other if you lived in different states, you know, you you couldn't do that, but now we can. And so that's something that I know a lot of patients have taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. And you're right. People do take a cop out sometimes. You know, I mean, I can I can see why, because they're looking for someone who understands them more. My dermatologist that I go here is not a per, is not black. And um, she does pretty she knows, you know, her information pretty well. So she's done really well with the treatments that she's provided for me. But the reason I had asked that question, because in my mind, I can see, um, you know, people looking for someone who looks like them because they feel like they may understand them more. What they're telling them is going on. I absolutely agree. And there's nothing wrong with that. I absolutely agree with you. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're just coming up with a plan B in case we're not able to Mm -hmm. find that dermatologist because there are not many of us, you know. Um, And so I think that we want the listeners to know that there, there still could be another option for them that could work out. So Dr. Mitchell, I know earlier you mentioned hyperpigmentation. So for our audience, could you define for us what hyperpigmentation is and then go into a little bit about what are the causes and possible treatments? Absolutely. Um, Hyperpigmentation is actually a very common condition that affects people of color. And normally what we see would be patches of discoloration, um, normally dark patches. So normally the patches or the spots are going to be darker Mm. than your skin type or your skin color. For some of us, it could be as simple as a large spot because, you know, we've had maybe the trauma of insect bites. And for the next person, it could be lots of dark spots secondary to acne. And so I say that because normally when we have hyperpigmentation, it is secondary to a primary reason. And so when you see the dermatologist, our job is to help you understand what caused the hyperpigmentation. It's not just to jump in there and treat the pigmentation, Mm -hmm. but it's to help you understand. So we have to be a detective. We have to come up with the primary reason. And as anything in life, you know, if you don't take on the primary problem, 
then you're not going to be successful in that situation that you're trying to deal with. Mm -hmm. Because what if we just went in and treated the hyperpigmentation and not the acne? And then, you know, six months later, you had another bout of acne with which left you with more pigmentation. You wouldn't be happy. And so what we normally do is we, we deal with the primary cause and with skin of color, the primary cause usually is acne. You know, it usually is some trauma to the skin. And um, I would say acne is the number one reason. And so it's very interesting. I have, you know, a lot of people that come to see me and their chief complaint, which normally is what, what drove you to make the appointment? It, it could be hyperpigmentation. And when I see them, they can also have acne, but they don't even mention that. That's not even what they're thinking. All they see are the dark spots. That's what drove them to pick up the phone and make the appointment. And as we're talking, they continue to talk about those spots. They can't cover them with makeup. Um, They're very self-conscious of them. And, And while I'm listening, I'm thinking, I don't think that they think that they have acne. And so I mention that because our job is to educate it's the job of every doctor. And so that's what we usually start talking about initially is, okay, let's find the primary reason. Let's treat that primary problem. And I normally try to incorporate a regimen that will also lighten the pigmentation as we control the primary problem. Mm-hmm. And so the first question that I'll get is, okay, will this take care of my pigmentation or when are we going to treat the pigmentation? And so to continue the education, I'll say, well, these prescriptions are going to help control the acne. And by doing that, we hope to prevent future pigmentation while we're treating current pigmentation. And so normally the regimen can help both. That's what we normally try to do, um, you know, as dermatologists to help. And Mm -hmm. so the first thing we do, of course, I know I've said this, is find the primary problem. Okay. Educate the patient about the primary problem. Hopefully we can start working on the pigmentation, you know, as we start the regimen. And then last but not least is talking to the patient about protection from the sun. And so here we go again, you know, back to sunscreen, but we have to, the audience has to understand that we cannot work on lightening pigmentation and be darkening the skin in the sun, unprotected. I know that's right. So if we were to start a regimen, but not talk to our patients about the importance of protecting their skin, Mm. you can see we're not going to be successful. And so I definitely have a conversation about sunscreen. I let them know that not only is this important to helping um, take care of the problem that you want addressed, but also That's in true. maintaining overall healthy skin mm-hmm. um, and protecting you from getting skin cancer and, sun, and, and damage to your skin. And so we have to incorporate that in the first appointment. Hyperpigmentation appointments, if done properly, they take time. I enjoy them, but to have the appropriate co- consultation and, 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 and um, information provided It takes time. And so it's very near and dear um, to the heart of myself and 
all of my colleagues that have, you know, skin of color themselves, because we know that this is a very common reason for a visit to our offices. Wow. I mean, I, I have hyperpigmentation myself, and I know I definitely do not do well with sunscreen or putting on my sunscreen when I go out. I'm like, like I told you earlier, I'm always, I've always been of the mind, oh, my skin is dark. I'm protected. I don't need any sunscreen. And I've been dealing with hyperpigmentation since I was a teenager because I had acne. I have different patches area of my body that's darker than the rest of my skin. So I've never really been. And being now that I'm in my late 30s, I really need to stick to my um, a skincare regimen. And with that being said, my next question to you is, um, you know, for someone like me who is um, at I guess somewhat of a millennial per my age. I'm a mom of four. I'm stressed all the time, especially now with the situation that we're going dealing with in our country. So outside of someone's diet, what regimen would you recommend for them to have um, at home for great skincare? Well, you know, to have great skincare, um, definitely it starts from within. Mm-hmm. Um and so diet is very important. I, I, I believe that that follows hydration and water intake. Yes. I think that hydration and water intake is the number one goal that we all should have if we want to have healthy skin. Mm-hmm. And of course, healthy skin means that it's smooth. Um, it's not rough textured. It has even tone, um, you know. It doesn't have large pores. Um, You know, it seems firm. That's what we're talking about. Maintaining overall healthy skin. It's also hydrated. And so I think that um, I would have to say water intake is most important. Mm -hmm. And let's just think about this. I mean, healthy skin doesn't just mean our face. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want the skin on my arms, my legs. I want all of that to look good. Right. You know, I'm not just doing these things because I want my the skin on my face to look good. Mm-hmm. And so w- when taking in that water, we're going to be able to properly hydrate all of our skin. And that should be our goal. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, you know, in terms of diet, um, you know, I-, I think being in control of what you allow in your house, understanding what you're eating and what the benefits are. Um, I think knowing that green tea can reduce inflammation, you know, and we believe that inflammation is the root of so many problems from acne to hair loss, et cetera. And so, um, you know, incorporating foods that are rich in vitamin A, like sweet potatoes, uh, carrots, because we know that um, vitamin A also helps to turn over the skin. It helps to keep the skin healthy. Some of the common brands of vitamin A would be Retin-A, retinoic acid, um, retinol. And so, again, taking that in on the inside is only going to complement things that we do on top of the skin. And so following um, water and, and, and diet, I think that then we would move into, okay, what are we going to be doing on top of the skin? But I think for the healthiest skin and what we should be doing now definitely is making sure that we take care of the inside of our bodies. And I love that. I actually was just drinking some water. So 
<laughs> That's why you hear me smacking my lips a bit. I love the fact that, you know, as dermatologists, you know, that we're all on one accord here because as dietitians, you know, we're always preaching, you know, nutrient dense foods and not just caloric dense. So I love the fact that, you know, you did mention the micronutrients and being cognizant of what foods you are putting into your body. So I want to ask you this question because within the black community, mm-hmm. we always hear the term black don't crack. Mm-hmm. So does what what does that mean? Does that mean that, you know, we could be a little more lax when it comes to our internal and external skincare or is it something genetic? Like what is that? I hear that a lot and I think that every dermatologist, you know, um is trying to bust that mm-hmm. up that that myth mm-hmm. because we do crack. We do age. I think that this started with we don't age. We look good for our age. And I I think that there's something to be said for that because I think that that is true. Mm -hmm. Um, However, however, we do crack eventually. Mm. (laughs) You know, I think that um, we need to intercept that stage in our life before we even get there. Mm. So we do know that we can lose collagen. We can lose elastin our skin can start to sag. Maybe it will start when we're 70 as opposed to 50. Mm -hmm. Um, We we also know our skin can become dry and prone to diseases like eczema, um, you know, or acne even. So we do know that we eventually will have these problems. So just like we work out and we exercise because we want to maintain muscle mass. I mean, no one just stops working out, Mm -hmm. even though you look pretty good or you look like you're in good shape. And so the same thing with skincare is that we need to be doing things if that's the look that we want to have healthy skin, firm skin, rounded skin, plump skin, hydrated skin, because eventually we are going to start to lose the, um, the components that start to make up that healthy skin. And so, yes, we do crack. Um, it may take us a little bit longer to start cracking, um, but we definitely need to um, to do everything that we can to maintain healthy skin. So, no, don't relax with that statement. Don't. Yes, be excited that it may right. take you to look older, but um, definitely, I believe that eventually we will crack. Okay. And that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty funny. Um, so, you know, myself and I think Kim, you've told me this before, we're oily skin folks and with, I've had oily skin my whole life. And I remember my dermatologist as a teenager saying, um, you know, you're going to love your oily skin as you get older because you're, you're, you know, it's going to protect your skin from wrinkles or something of, of that nature. She was telling me. So my question for you is, for people with oily skin like we have, do we still need to moisturize? Mm. Does that not make us more oily? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a really, really good question because I could see where people would say, well, I'm not going to do that. But again, you know, there are great products on the market that I would encourage people with oily skin to look for. Um, For example... I would look for a moisturizer that has dimethicone in it because that ingredient offers a less greasy texture to the skin. Mm -hmm. Um, It's non-comedogenic and it has a lighter feel. 
So I say that to say, pick a product that doesn't feel heavy. Apply that product because remember, we need what the reason that we're moisturizing is we want to get the hydration into the cell. Mm-hmm. It's not so much about the look of my skin. I mean, that's important, but we have to remember we don't, we don't, we, we are in control and we can make the choice of what we use. So we don't want to use products that are heavy, that look greasy when we have oily skin. You know, that's not going to go over well, but we certainly can pick a product that's lighter in its consistency and that absorbs very quickly into the skin and goes where it needs to go to function and to help our skin be healthy. So I would say, yes, you know, every skin type should moisturize. And even now there are some serums that we can use when we have oily skin and they can still help the cells to be hydrated Hmm. and plump and not make us feel or look greasy. Right. So while on the topic of skincare, I was just actually writing down that word dimethicone. Um, You know, women, especially black women, we are very concerned with our physical appearance. And the question that I've always had, um, because for those of you that are listening to this, I'm actually looking at Dr. Mitchell right now. I'm looking at your makeup. And I'm just wondering to myself, like, you know, what makeup do you use? Like, what ingredients should we be looking for and or avoiding? Yeah. Um, You know, that's a really good question. Um, I would probably say the number one ingredients that you should avoid would be fragrance. Mm. And Mm -hmm. so I would say look for makeup that's fragrance free. Um, What we do know is that you know, fragrance can be sensitizing. It can irritate, you know, allergies that we may have or, or, or asthma or things of that nature. So I would say the, the top ingredient would be to um, avoid fragrance. Um, fragrance is one of the top five allergens in the world. Hmm. I would also say to avoid parabens. You know, there's a lot of controversy about that, but we do know that there could be correlation with skin cancer. Um, this is true. And so we would we would want to avoid parabens. And one of the common names would be methylparaben. But the big picture would be, you know, to avoid heavy makeups, you know, makeups that are going to clog the pores, mm-hmm. um, you know, in addition. And the nice thing now is that there are lots of brands that have rebranded, um, that have made that product line even better. I mean, I remember when when my my um, when I was younger, my mom would wear like Flory Roberts and, and Derma Blend, which were heavy. Oh my gosh, the Derma Blend brand has really changed mm-hmm. the trajectory of makeup for people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, you know, going for a consistency that's even lighter that you your pores can breathe through. Understood. Yeah, I definitely do like that because, you know, I feel along with Joanne, you know, just trying to find the best product for the skin. So definitely for those of you guys listening, fragrance-free makeup yeah, and also things that, you know, aren't really laying down heavy on your face and clogging those pores. Because I know some makeup I've used have broke me out. Some of them mm-hmm. have created rashes. So... Um, definitely finding what makeup works for you. Right. So the takeaway here that we've gotten from Dr. Mitchell today is basically dermatology is important and you need to include it in your yearly physicals or 
I guess think of it as like a skin physical that you have annually and be your advocate. Like if you see something going on with your body, make sure you present it to your primary care physician if you require a referral so that you can get that referral to see a dermatologist and get, you know, get yourself checked out. Don't be lax in our skincare, especially as black folks. You know, when we see something, we're like, eh, that is um, true. you know, give it a few weeks, give it a few months. And then before you know it, it may have been something serious and it's, you know, the re- um, results are detrimental. So we don't want that to happen. So include dermatology in your annual um, medical uh, visits with your physicians. So Dr. Mitchell, we are so happy to have had you here today discussing dermatology. Let the people know where they can find you. So, I, you know, again, thank you for thinking of me and inviting me um, today. Um, I am very active on Instagram. My handle is Dr. Hope Mitchell. Um, I am a board certified dermatologist of 25 years and I practice in Ohio. Um, I have two office locations, one in Perrysburg and one in Fremont, Ohio. You can reach me um, on social media or through my um, office number, which is 419-872-HOPE. You can also um, schedule a virtual visit with me um, through my website, mitchellderm.com. So for those of you listening to this episode, go ahead and contact Dr. Mitchell if you do have skin care concerns. As usual, remember to comment, give us five stars, and share this episode. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.